You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's our good buddy, Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Great appearance last week. By the way, Ross will be handling the AFC title game duties. Duties. Uh, that'll be at Arrowhead. Well, that's not the AFC title game. Fritzy. It's the division. AFC title game? Uh-oh. Yes. Oh, that's a COVID-related mistake. Can I, can I blame it on, Wait, on COVID? you're blaming it on COVID? I think I may have to. I'm a little, COVID fog? A little brain fog. Oh. Have you had COVID for a decade? Wow. <laughs> I think it would be the NFC Divisional Playoff. It's the AFC. It's, you even screwed that up. It's not the NFC. It, he's, he's covering the Bills and the Chiefs. I need a nap or something. It's the AFC Divisional Playoff game. Mm-hmm. I put title game there? Yes. Ross will That's be handling horrible, the AFC title game. Mistake. Yeah. Let's bring in Ross Tucker. Clean up the mess here if you can, Ross. You, you're going to be covering the Chiefs' bills at Arrowhead this weekend, right? No, I'm not. <laughs> that's that's what makes this even better. I'm I'm in the uh, I'm in the booth in Tampa. I I got the Rams and the Bucks. It's the NFC I, divisional round. I, I texted Fritzy about that twice. I emailed him three times. I even told him <laughs> that this story that I'm I'm in the booth and Mike Golick, a seniors on the sideline, oh which God. is so cool for me, Dan, because I grew up outside of Philly and literally uh, when Golick was playing for the Eagles, they came to Kutztown University and did like a charity basketball game or something. So I was in fifth grade. It's like 1990. I get there super early with my buddy and I don't know who was handling it. It was Clyde Simmons, uh, Mike Golick, Andre Waters, and whoever their handler was looked at me and my buddy and said, Hey, we need ball boys. You guys want to be our ball boys? We were like, Heck yeah. So we were in the locker room. Meanwhile, they started to get so tired during the game playing against these teachers. They actually put us in the game and I drained two shots in front of like 5,000 people. So anyway, long story, but I got Golik's autograph. He was awesome that day. I was 11 years old and now I'll be part of a broadcast with him. Even though Fritzy got it wrong three different ways, I'll be part of a broadcast with him on Sunday. Okay, that's a nice story, but let me go back to Todd. You couldn't have whiffed any more than you did. It, it's the NFC. It's not a title game. And it's, I, think I've been, I think I've been set up to my credits. I have an email that I forwarded to the guys okay. that has something very different than what you just read. Okay. Something was printed from an old one-sheet email okay. or something. Okay. Uh, I'm very upset, actually, about this because I, I thought it was on me. Yeah. I have physical evidence to show what I sent was actually Bucks divisional playoff. All right. Thank you, Tom. By the way, Dan, you, you also threw me a loop at the start of the segment because you came back from break and you said <laughs> – Hall of Famer or not a Hall of Famer? I was like, oh, man, I got very excited. And obviously not as a player. I thought no. you meant like Hall of Fame guest or yes. not, Hall yeah. of Fame media guy. Like, I got very excited, and I realized it was not actually about me. Well, you had a great appearance last week when you mentioned that you basically uh, urinated uh, during every game, late in the game, that you'd sit on a towel. And uh, what was the fallout from your urination story last week? Well, uh, one piece of, first of all, people loved it. I had several of my buddies around here in Pennsylvania text me like, uh, you pee your pants, uh-huh. like, you know, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. But Dan, Monday night, okay, I'm on the sideline for Rams Cardinals. 
And I had a back surgery in Buffalo. So, so people know the worst thing about being a sideline reporter is just standing there for four hours. Like it's terrible for your back. So during one of the TV timeouts, I sit down on like these luxury boxes the Rams have where you can't actually see the field. It's like below field level. I don't know who pays for these things, but I'm sitting there. By the way, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are there. An equipment guy with all the NFL stuff on the Cardinal sideline comes over to me, Dan, with one of those Gatorade towels. <laughs> and he hands it to me. I'm like, did I, I'm good. Like, did I do something wrong? He's like, no, I saw you on Dan Patrick this week. I didn't know if you needed this or not. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm good. I don't hydrate as much as I did when I was a player. But literally, one of the Cardinals equipment guys came over to me with a Gatorade towel because they heard me with you last week. That's great. We're talking to Ross Tucker. I still think he's working the Rams and the Buccaneers coming up this weekend in Tampa. Uh, loudest stadium to you is where? So when I played, um, it was, to me, it was the RCA dome in terms of indoor. That place was so loud. I guess maybe they might've been pumping in noise. I don't know, but that place, you couldn't even hear yourself think. So that's the cold. And the loudest outdoor place was Arrowhead for sure. Now Seattle's very loud too, but Arrowhead, and this is actually something, Dan, I've never quite understood you know how there's been so many new stadiums recently? You know, the Giants got one, and obviously San Francisco got one. I don't understand why these franchises don't mimic the acoustics of Seattle or Kansas City. It's not like the Pacific Northwest or the Midwest people are louder than the Northeast people or whatever. I think they're so concerned with maximizing revenue and club space and suites, they don't they don't mimic the same acoustics. That's a big advantage, man. It's honestly, Dan, if the Bills were playing the Chiefs in Buffalo, I would pick the Bills because that place was loud Saturday night. I was there. Those people were going crazy. But it's in Kansas City takes away the offense's ability to have the snap count advantage. They'll have to go silent. So I lean Kansas. It makes a big difference. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that, too, that there are certain stadiums that there is a true – and that's Seattle Stadium. I mean, that, that's, that's loud. That, and that almost hurts your ears. Um, I remember being in the RCA Dome, but I was there for the Super Bowl, so it, it was a different ambiance there. I've been to Lambeau. That, that's a great field, but that's a home field advantage for a variety of reasons there. Uh, you have the game with the Rams going into Tampa, and I was, it feels like this is the Rams' game for the taking with uh, the offensive line not healthy with the Buccaneers. You don't have Godwin in there. You don't have Antonio Brown. But it's hard to bet against Tom Brady. Who do you think wins to this game? Totally agree with everything you just said. Uh, the Rams are a healthier team. They've got Cam Akers back six months after his Achilles tear, which is incredible. He looked good Monday night. Uh, they won the battle up front against the Cardinals, both sides of the ball. And you're right. I mean, Jensen's limping around. I, I personally don't think Tristan Wirth is going to be able to play. And even his backup, Josh Wells, has a quad injury. Ryan Kerrigan got two sacks on them last week. Now Von Miller, 
who's got six sacks in his last five games. This game is there for the Rams taking. This is a game that they should win. But honestly, Dan, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a field goal game in the fourth quarter, and I can't verbally do it. Like, I I can't say Matthew Stafford's going to beat Tom Brady in a close playoff game in the fourth quarter. I will believe it when I see it. He's more likely to make a critical error. Brady's more likely to get the game-winning points. So I'll lean Brady there. But I do think Stafford probably has the most to gain of any quarterback this weekend. You know, we would feel a lot differently about Matthew Stafford if he gets the Rams to a conference championship game, if he wins two playoff games, if he beats Tom Brady on the road in a playoff game. I think he has probably more to gain than anybody else this weekend. Yeah, that was my next question because we know who has the most to lose, and it feels like that's Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Would you say that fair? No, no question it's Aaron Rodgers, and I'll go a step further. It's the Green Bay Packers organization. If, if they lose, I don't see any way that Aaron Rodgers goes back there. I think he's just going to think, it's just not going to happen for me here. I'm going to move on. If they go to the Super Bowl or win it, I think there's a much greater likelihood that Rodgers comes back. I think this game tomorrow night is that important for the Packers franchise. And you have the Jimmy Garoppolo situation where it feels like he's auditioning for his next job. A, a win at Lambeau would be huge for him. I mentioned that Joe Burrow, if they would beat the Titans, just elevating him and his status as a top 10, top 8 quarterback in the NFL. Ryan Tannehill's probably not going to get any credit if they win that game. <laughs> right. Probably not. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, they can get to the conference championship. Tannehill, I think at this point, probably has to get to a Super Bowl. And I would say the Titans, they are they might be the quietest, least respected number one seed I can remember yeah. in a long time. Yeah. And I, I said this on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL a couple weeks ago. I think they're one of the worst number one seeds we've seen. I mean, you look at the point spread. You look at what the Vegas folks would say. They're one of the worst number one seeds we've seen in a long time. But guess what? They win two home games. They're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the color analyst in the booth for the Rams Buccaneers with Dave Pash and Mike Golick Sr. coming up Sunday on Westwood One. How did we do with that? Good. That was correct, yes. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, Dan, the Bucks might have the best press box food in the NFL. Uh, they, have, they have multiple carving stations. They serve <laughs> Bananas Foster at halftime. So I mentioned how important Saturday night is for the Packers organization. The Bucks organization has the opportunity to end the year number one in the Ross Tucker press box food power rankings, which is probably as significant as anything that will happen this weekend. Wow. That's a bold statement there. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Uh, The road team that has the best chance to win is? Buffalo Bills. I think it's the Bills. Okay. I think they might be the best team right now. I mean, their defense is playing lights out. Josh Allen is incredible. You know, I think we all know what they did Saturday night, Dan. They did that against Bill Belichick. I mean, they had a perfect game against a Bill Belichick coached defense. Seven touchdowns and a kneel down. 
It's incredibly impressive. Uh, that said, even if they win this game, they still need to win one more, likely at Tennessee, to get to the Super Bowl, which I think they need to do to kind of take that next step. But I think the Bills have a great chance. To win. That game is going to be incredible. Look, I'm, I'm loving the Rams-Bucks game that I'm going to be calling, but I really do think Bills-Chiefs is the game of the weekend because I think more than any other game, I do believe the winner of Bills Chiefs is going to the Super Bowl. Sorry, Titans fans. You can be mad at me again, but I think winner of Bills Chiefs is going to the Super Bowl. I was also curious, since you did play offensive line and you also played center for a little while, the the last seconds of the Cowboys game against the 49ers and the role that the center plays on that play, uh, where, where do you stand on the Cowboys trying to pull that off and then spotting the football? Yeah, so first of all, I understand the logic of what they were trying to do. You know, they wanted to get it, Dan, so that they could throw a strike into the end zone as opposed to a lob, right? As opposed to a Hail Mary, they wanted to get close enough, sort of like that fourth and 21 touchdown pass Justin Herbert threw in week 18 against the Raiders. They wanted Dak to be able to put a line drive into the end zone. Gives them more of a chance. So I get that. We were always taught in those situations – it's 16 seconds. So whether it's enough time to spike or enough time for a fast field goal, when it's fourth down, you don't have an opportunity to spike it. You got to run on the field. 16 seconds is the number we were always given. Mike McCarthy says it was 13 seconds. The problem I have with what Mike McCarthy said is he said, we practice it every week. Go back and watch the tape. Noah Brown, the receiver, just kind of standing around. What you do is you have two choices, right? You personally hand the ball to the umpire or you hand the ball to the center who puts it down so everybody knows where to line up and then the umpire has to touch it, release it, so you can snap it real quick. They really didn't do either one of those. To me, the problem with them cutting it so close, they didn't allow for any variables. I mean, what if one of the D linemen accidentally kicked the ball? London Fletcher used to do that all the time. You know, it takes a couple seconds off. Or what if they were smart enough to lay on top of Dak for a second or two? There's just a million things that could go wrong like it did to not be able to get the ball off, which I thought they cut it way too close. Yeah, I don't think they practice that every week. Or if they do, they didn't practice it correctly because they, they, the margin of error was so, so small. And you can't leave – like. You, you kind of exposed yourself uh, as to this. The clock could run out on this play instead of saying to Dak, only get X number of yards if you're going to do it, because they had two plays called. They had a pass play. And then I think Dak changed at the line of scrimmage and then took off. Well, they're letting you run for a reason because you have no timeouts and the clock is running. That's what I didn't understand. You have to have a clock in your head that says I have X number of yards, X number of seconds. Now I need to get down. And I, I just uh, – I, I, there's no way they practice that play every week. And you know what, Dan? My bigger issue, to be honest with you, was after the game, both McCarthy and Dak Prescott complained about the officials. Now, I know Dak came out and apologized for saying good for the fans for throwing stuff at the refs, which, by the way, was a good move by Dak. But they still both – complained about the refs and I think the older I get the more I realize these teams seem to be a reflection of ownership like the the lack of 
accountability and responsibility. McCarthy says, I thought they would let him play a little bit more. What, what play is he talking about? When Randy Gregory just tackles the O-lineman for no reason, when uh, Adigi Zua pulls down Alex Mack, when Gallimore had his hands up in – like, they were all legitimate penalties, Dan. Like, most of them were pre-snap. pre-snap. Yeah. They were all legit penalties. So rather than after the game saying – we need to do better with the penalties. There's too many. They complained about the refs. So them passing the buck rather than showing the accountability and responsibility, it's why they have so many penalties in the first place. They're not disciplined. They don't take accountability for their actions. Instead, they blame others. And it's why the Cowboys, I feel like, are the same team every year. Thank you, Ross. We'll be, uh, we'll be listening this weekend. The Bucks with Dave Pash and Mike Golick, Rams Buccaneers on Westwood One. And also, you can check him out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Thank you, buddy. Safe travels. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Nick Wright, first things first, co-host of Fox Sports 1. My day is always better when I talk to Nick. I saw his tweet this morning that I am just astounded by how many of my colleagues love the Bills this week. Love them in big letters. Ready to anoint Josh Allen. Ready to throw dirt on Mahomes. The whole thing we'll discuss. Plus, is this Tom Brady's last game? Will the Niners beat Rodgers again? Wow. How did your tweet sound with a professional reading it? I got it. You know, you're being self-congratulatory and patronizing per usual, but it sounded great. Thank you. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, that's why he's Dan Patrick and I'm me. Like, that really, I, I... can you record my outgoing voicemail for me? I would. Do I mean, that. that really was great. I mean, that was outstanding. Sounded great. Do you agree with me though, Dan? A little. The the, the Josh. How long has Josh Allen been better than Patrick Mahomes? And I, I mean, it's just the hype for this guy, who twelve days ago almost lost to the Jets, nineteen days ago literally had the worst game of his entire career. Meanwhile, Mahomes has never lost a home playoff game in regulation, has never been bad in a home playoff game. It seems like a little, you know, askew, feels a little bit like if mid-conference second round, I'm sorry, second round of the NBA playoffs last year, if people were like, you know what? I think Trey Young's the best player in the NBA. Like, mm, <laughs> slow down a bit for me, please. Your voice is up uh, at a pretty high level. Like that's a new octave. Like that's a Mariah Carey octave that I am not uh, used to hearing out of you. Okay. So this segment starts off with me complimenting your voice and you just for the first time in our relationship, taking a shot at mine. Yeah, Dan, I'm a little high strung this weekend, my friend. I'm not going to lie to you. We got a lot on the line for your, you know, television viewers. I'm literally wearing chiefs, red sweatpants. I'm ready to go. I'm excited for this football game and for this nonsense these Bills Mafia charlatans <laughs> that have been polluting my Twitter mentions for the better of two years to put them down in the dirt. That's what I'm ready for. Okay, I'm with you. I have the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl facing the Packers. I'm, I'm all in with you. Um, that was my prediction at the beginning of the year. I think the Chiefs uh, are going to win this game. I think we're drunk with love with the Bills, with the perfect game they played against the Patriots. Um, so I, I'm, I'm with you on that. 
And I do think that Josh Allen, the highs that he gives you, we, we, we sometimes forget the lows that he has as well. And, and his that, highs rival, I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. his highs rival Mahomes and Rodgers yes. for the highest highs of the league, yeah. in the league. Yeah. The difference is his lows rival Zach Wilson's. And he hasn't gotten that out of his game yet. Meanwhile, Rodgers and Mahomes almost never have awful games. They might have awful games by their own standards, but their level of consistency is what separates them. But here's the other thing that just surprises me, Dan. That if we are just looking at this soberly, and could the Bills win? Of course. This is not better than a buy like the Steelers game was. Well, Maybe my most iconic phrase. It's entered the sports canon now. Um, <laughs> but uh, – so the Bills could win. Josh Allen could run for a bunch of yards. Maybe the Chiefs can't cover Stephon Diggs. But one team is at home. That team also has more dynamic playmakers, the better coach, and the better quarterback. The four biggest check marks are all on that side of the ledger. And I know folks will say uh, the Bills' defense is better. Maybe. But the Bills' defense also is coming off a stretch of 10 games against nine awful quarterbacks and Brady. And Brady beat them. So I think the Bills' defense might be a touch overrated. I'm just – the Chiefs not being three-point favorites at home, Dan, is the most insulting thing that's happened to the city of Kansas City since Bart, since you guys did your stupid barbecue tour and that doofus was like, Texas barbecue's better. Remember that? <laughs> that carried your show for six weeks. You're welcome for that one, pal. Um, so I'm with you on the Chiefs. I, I like the Rams against the Buccaneers. Yep. Me too. I, I don't rule out the Niners doing something crazy like, you know, keeping it close enough to win the game. I just get nervous of if if it comes down to Jimmy G leading a drive, you know, Debo Samuel better be getting the ball on, you know, 80% of those carries there. And the Bengals against the Titans, as much as I love Cincinnati, my hometown team, I think the Titans are better than what we're giving them credit for being at home. All right, so I don't know if this is good or bad for the audience. We are mirrored picks across the board. I agree with everything you just said. I think that there is a part of me to go in order. Uh, there is some trepidation of picking Matt Stafford on the road against Brady. With somebody, Jenna Wolf said this on our show today. I, I should have known this. I couldn't, but it's an astounding number. Tom Brady is 14-2 and two in this round of the playoffs. That, I think it might be as impressive as seven Super Bowls. He's 14-2 and two in the divisional round. So there's part of me that feels like, ah, oh, you're going to feel dumb picking Stafford to go on the road and win. But they're so banged up. And I don't think yeah. the Bucs have any way to guard Cup without doubling him. And then Odell can go off. We agree on the Titans. I, I think the Bengals obviously are fun. The Titans are rested. They're healthier. They're well-coached. They've been here before. I, they're at home. I think pick them. I really want to drill in on Packers on Packers uh, Niners because they're, the Niners have a lot of obvious edges and then the one super obvious edges, but the other team has the league MVP at quarterback and you have a guy that you just can't trust. Can't even trust, forget to throw passes in the fourth quarter. Can't even trust to wait for Trent Williams to get set before you do a quarterback sneak. Sidebar of the sidebar. How mad is Mike McCarthy at Jimmy Garoppolo for false starting there? If he just doesn't false start, we're not killing McCarthy for the quarterback sneak. It's like, buddy, you're, I'm dying because of your mistake. Just wait for Trent Williams to get set. The game's over. None of this nonsense happens. But here's my question to you, Dan. 
right now, obviously Braves' greatest quarterback ever. I think if Rodgers wins the Super Bowl this year, Rodgers versus Peyton Manning becomes a really interesting conversation. If Rodgers loses this game at home, that feels like, okay, he's a tier below. Yeah. Is that unfair? Is that ridiculous? I, I don't think it's unfair. No, I think it's because he started out great in the postseason, and then he has not, he's been average ever since yep. then. You go to one Super Bowl, and that was 10 years ago, and you win that. While I'll say, and I've said it many times, he makes the position look as effortless as any quarterback I've ever seen in my life, maybe more so than any other quarterback. You got you to gotta have another one here. And I think that having that second, I mean, look at Eli. Having two, you're in the Hall of Fame. If Stafford gets one, he's in the Hall of Fame, probably. Uh, Rodgers getting a second, if it matters to him, which is tricky. You know, then he elevates himself above Breeze. Uh, Peyton, I think he's a better quarterback than Peyton. I think Peyton's had more of an impact on the game, but I would put Rodgers there. If you want to throw in John Elway and whoever else into that mix, I understand it. But if you don't get to two, you know, then you're you're, you're I mean, down on the Mahal, list. Like, listen, it's unfathomable the idea that Mahomes never gets to another Super Bowl. But even if he doesn't, he's been to more than Rodgers, right? Yeah. That's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? And so I think Rodgers already ahead of Breeze. But I also think it should be noted, Rodgers' first five playoff games, he's 4-1, and one, and the one loss, they scored 45 points and lost in overtime. That was the it was his first playoff game ever. That was the one where he actually got strip-sacked in the first play of overtime, and Arizona scored. Since then, Dan, he's 7-8. and eight. And now, are all those losses on him? No. The NFC Championship game against the uh, Falcons, for example, a few years ago. Falcons, I think, scored 28 straight to start the game. But let's go to the Seattle game for a second. Everyone kills McCarthy, and they should. They blew it down the stretch. With that said, Rodgers was one touchdown, two picks, and had a 55 passer rating in that game. Like, they had opportunities to make it to where uh, an unblowable lead. I would argue the 15-1 and season coming off the Super Bowl. Losing that home playoff game to Eli and the Giants, that one, it didn't sting as much then because you're like, oh, he'll be back. But he hasn't been back. You can't, and now you're at home again. You're the healthier team. You're the more rested team. I think they – I don't know if they have to win the Super Bowl, but they have to win this game. And I don't know if they will. Who presents the biggest roadblock for Green Bay in your opinion? Oh, I think this team. I think the Niners. Oh, I think the Niners. Do. More than the Rams or the Buccaneers? Oh, yeah, I think the Bucs are too beat up. I think the Bucs are too beat up. They have played too many games. The Rams are an interesting one. However, there is a part of me that says Matt Stafford going into Green Bay, if there's a mental part of sports at all, that place has been a house of horrors for him his whole career. And then he's on the precipice of the Super Bowl. And that's like – to me, that yeah, I think the cold weather hurts them. I think this is the game the Niners or the Bucks. Sorry, the Packers did not want was this team with this running game and this coach coming into their building. He's Nick Wright. You can see him on First Things First Monday through Friday on Fox Sports One. Uh, haven't talked to you since uh, the Lakers fallout. Yeah. Uh, how does this end? Oh, I don't know, Dan. Uh, you know, probably with LeBron winning the scoring title, that's what I'll focus on. Uh, you know, year 19 <laughs> and scoring title. 
seems pretty good. Guy's not a scorer. Uh, <laughs> it's not great, Dan. Here's what I find interesting. A lot of people deserve a lot of blame here. Uh, Rob Palenka deserves blame. Everyone's like, oh, but LeBron made them make the trade. LeBron couldn't even get them to hire Ty Lue. So LeBron has some juice, but he's not literally calling in the trades. Palenka deserves some blame. Uh, obviously, Vogel deserves some blame. Russ deserves some blame. There's a lot of blame to go around. It would be nice if Anthony Davis were healthy. But it is astounding to me how many people are caping for Frank Vogel this week. Oh, my God, this is so unfair. It is? It's unfair? Is it, oh, you can't treat a champion coach. You can't? You're like I would just like for the people saying it's ridiculous for Vogel to be on the hot seat. Can you tell me your favorite Frank Vogel coaching moment? What's your favorite Frank Vogel adjustment? Did you love that it took him a dozen games to figure out that Russ and Rondo can't be on the court at the same time? Did you love when nine months after the brilliant tactician Steve Nash realized DeAndre Jordan is cooked, he was still starting games for your team? Like, I do not put this all on Vogel, but there have been better coaches fired for far less malfeasance. And I, I find it very peculiar. It's an odd Venn diagram of people in the media who have been the loudest and most most articulate LeBron James critics and people in the media who are all of a sudden giant Frank Vogel fans. They're like, oh, my God, do you remember him with Hibbert? Look at those <laughs> defensive roads. Shut up. Stop it. Uh, I just thought that if you're going to fire him, fire him. That's all. You leak, Somebody leaked that information to The Athletic, and now – you know, everybody's waiting. And then I just wondered if he was getting on the plane to go on the road trip and then found out that he was. But it just feels like, you know, it's inevitable that's going to happen. That's the only part of this that's not fair. If if he's your guy, then let him coach. If not, then firing. I agree with that. With that said, they just played the Pacers, his previous team. And now tonight they're in Orlando. Maybe they're like, hey, he's probably got friends there, maybe some family. <laughs> a reunion tour? Yeah, let, uh, him, let him take the trip. That is it, nice. Yeah, I think that is nice. There is an odd – the line <laughs> in that game, by the way, is the Lakers minus just five and, like, assume LeBron's going to play. That tells me there are people in Vegas that think that the Lakers players might be trying to get him fired. Because as bad as the Lakers have been, Orlando is a travesty of a team. And for the Lakers only be five-point favorites, I think there's some concern from the bookmakers that the Lakers might try to expedite this firing process. Does Frank Vogel accompany the team back to Los Angeles from this road trip? I'm going to say yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes. I think he does. I think Frank Vogel survives. I think he does just enough to survive until Anthony Davis comes back. And then there's, you know, a little resurgence. Again, I don't know if I said this earlier, but LeBron James is going to win the scoring title. He's in year 19, Dan. Yeah. Uh, that's got to count for something. Lead the league in 30-point games. You know, is he not a scorer, though, of course. Uh, and so I, No, no, I, no. I, He's a scorer. He's just not a shooter. Right, Dan. Higher career, you know, uh, three-point percentage than Kobe and Michael, but that's fine. No, that's right. Not a shooter. Not I, but a shooter. I'm on your side with LeBron. Oh, I know, Dan, but I don't I, – it's not just you and I talking. There's people listening. <laughs> I'm talking to them. Uh, but, I, but I'm on your side. You sometimes go over the side. There's no – you go overboard. You're saying I go overboard. Do you think there were – I don't know if there were physics There's that voice shows. going up again. There's that octave. I don't <clears> – <throat> 
I don't know, Dan, <laughs> if there were physics talk shows in the 19 aughts. But do you think people were like, listen, I like, I'm an Einstein guy too, but you go a little too far. Like, no, you can't go too far. <laughs> well, too yeah, far. you can. You can. You can. Okay. Yeah, 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 you can. You uh, can go a okay, little too far. You son of a... <laughs> that is bullying. <laughs> You're bullying I'm, me. I'm bullying you. Well, I'm sorry that I didn't. I didn't know what? that I, I didn't mean you, to. You know what? You know what this is called? <laughs> this is punching down. You're a broadcast Hall of Famer with millions of dollars and millions of listeners and viewers. I'm just an up and coming. This guy. is how I got here. Yeah, by by bullying those. By punch, Did you know? By punching story, down. By punching down. <laughs> True story, Dan. And then you can you can hang up on me if you okay. want. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm a senior in high school going on a tour of syracuse university and happened to you know set up a meeting with the dean of newhouse he'll remain nameless dean rubin i'll never forget it um but uh and he's talked with me and my mother says well you know i've seen your record i've seen this you know I'm, i'd be shocked if you're not admitted love to have you but i just, you want to do radio right i'm like yeah that's all i've ever wanted to do is radio he's like well i'm sorry to tell you It'll never work. Your voice is awful for radio. It's like, oh, thanks, Dean. Take that, Dean. But now Dan Padgett's <laughs> co-signing it. So maybe he was right all along. Yeah, he was. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, he was. You know what? <laughs> what? You're such a jerk. What? I'm sorry. I, 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 like, sometimes I don't know I'm speaking. You, you ever thought maybe I'm a little self-conscious about this? You ever thought maybe I'm like, ah, Maybe the reason that even to this day I smoke $1 black and mild cigars by the pack is because I'm like, one day I'll get the grizzled broadcaster voice. I am literally killing myself so I can sound like you. I complimented you in the beginning, and now you're all making me uh, uh, McLovin. Not not your old McLovin. I'm talking about from the actual movie, the original McLovin with the voice. It's not fair. It's I, not fair, and it's me. I, I want an apology before I come on again. I would say brown liquor. I did that too. I oh, tried you did. It. <laughs> yeah. More of it. <laughs> More of it. <laughs> Look at him. Look at this guy. He'll never be as good as me. <laughs> Not as always. What a jerk. Uh, I'll apologize the next time before you come on. Fritz, lose my number. Yeah. Wow. But in the meantime, I just want to say good luck to Patrick Mahomes <laughs> <Okay>. this week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you want to hear Fritzy's Patrick Mahomes impersonation? I don't want to hear from anyone involved oh, oh, with the show okay, ever again. Okay, all right, fair enough. All right. Thank you, Nick. Goodbye. All right, that's Nick Wright. He does a great job at Fox Sports 1. He does. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mike check. Mike check. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one on one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live wherever you get your podcast from.
DeMarco Farr, Rams Radio Network, sideline reporter, won a Super Bowl, Rams over the Titans. You got the Rams visiting the Buccaneers Sunday. NFC Divisional Playoffs kick off at 3 Eastern. DeMarco, how you feeling, brother? I'm good, Mr. Patrick. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm good. When's the last time you hit somebody? Oh, God. Like, you know, legally or illegally? <laughs> <laughs> well, either. <laughs> might, might be a better story. Well, I'm not going to tell you the other one. But, yeah, I mean, it's been about 20 years, yeah, since I tackled somebody. Yeah, no doubt. How is that? It's weird, though, that you spend, what, 20 years of your life hitting people. Yeah. And, and then you have to stop hitting people. You know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's something you have to learn. Um, <laughs> when you're playing football, <laughs> you really get a chance to take your aggressions out. And then when it's done, you have to learn how to like talk, you know, <laughs> how many hall of famers did you sack? Oh God, Steve young. I never got Jim Kelly, but I got fined for drilling them. I think I touched Elway on a sack, uh, Warren moon, uh, a couple, a few. Elway, I, I touched him down, or he got away. Brett Favre, twice. A few uh, Hall of Fame guys, yeah. Did you talk to him? You know, I tried to talk to Jim Kelly. Um, he kind of, like, set me straight because I, I blasted him in St. Louis on that hard turf. And, you know, when you run through a guy, you know when it hurts a guy. I can hear his, like, back crack. So I got up and said, yeah, baby, how'd that feel? And he looked at me and says, I've been hit by better than you. <laughs> and it just it just took everything out of me, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I went from this, you know, this rampaging beast to this little kid back in the sixth grade. So, yeah, it's weird. Best Warren Moon tried to talk me out of a game because we go back to Washington. So he kept bringing up stuff from my past, like trying to keep me from being aggressive. <laughs> Wait, during the game, like he would just Dur throw something out, th throw something out. He, he, he brought up Don James, which is always the soft spot. Then he brought up Jim Lambert. He brought up where I lived in McMahon hall uh, at UW. <laughs> I mean, all this UW stuff, you know, it just, it kept me from like wanting to you know, break his leg or something. <laughs> Best lineman you went against. Oh man. Randall McDaniel uh, and Bruce Matthews. Uh, if you ask me the, the first two plays of the Super Bowl. Uh, in Atlanta, I, I couldn't tell you. I was on my face with Bruce Matthews on my back. <laughs> uh, so Bruce Matthews, Randall McDaniel, absolutely the, the best ever. Randall McDaniel with that ugly-ass stance. I'm sorry. Uh, you look at it and say, there's no way he can get me from there, and then boom, he's on your shoulder. It's setting up for disappointment in Tampa, and follow me on this, because I think mm -hmm. the Rams are the better team and everybody is embracing the Rams. That makes me a little nervous when you go against Tom Brady. I know they got line issues. You got two top receivers, Godwin and Brown not in. I don't know how good uh, Leonard Fournette's going to be. <sighs> Too many people like the Rams here. What do you think? That makes you nervous. I I'm with you. A little um, bit. A little bit. Just yeah, you you've been in this biz a long time to, you know, when, when everyone thinks you're going to win, I mean, that's – it just gives bulletin board material to the other side. And Tom Brady is sitting over there. So uh, the people, the, the fact that people favor Rams right now, it's, it's, it doesn't even get into my kitchen. Uh, it's Tom Brady and you're going to his house. He are, he is the defending champs. I said this right after we left SoFi when the, the Rams beat Arizona, uh, great game. Your, your gift for beating the Arizona Cardinals is you get the defending champs at their house next week. Yeah. The NFL is doing you no favors. You did yourself no favors with that. So uh, favoring the Rams, good. But it's still going to be a tough out no matter what. Rams win this game because of defense or offense? Hopefully because of offense, really. Um, I, I hope the, the good Matthew Stafford 
you know, shows up, the one we saw in Arizona, the one that is great behind a running game where you don't have to put it up 35, 40 times, um, the one that doesn't turn the ball over and put your defense in bad situations. So I hope it's the offense. I hope Cam Akers coming back uh, has as much impact as it did versus Arizona. I hope Sony Michelle being uh, sharing the load at running back is going to kind of keep the offense on, on pace, on schedule, and the defense off balance. If you got to throw it and – it becomes a passing game between Brady and Stafford. That's, I wouldn't want that for anybody's quarterback. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't want that pressure. So I hope the running game is there to kind of pace it, help Sean McVay, call a better game, and you keep Brady on the sidelines for as long as possible. Who is Odell Beckham now as a Man, he, he's a star. Uh, if there was ever a guy – yeah, and you've been out here to Los Angeles. You know what this is all about, what this city's about. And – so plop an NFL football team here that's trying to grow its fan base. He's perfect uh, for this environment. He's a great athlete. He's tremendous. He's, he's must-watch. He's must-see TV. And he's, he's a pretty damn good receiver, too. I mean, that touchdown pass he caught to, from Matthew Stafford where he went up and over the corner, uh, not many guys can do that with that body control. So the guy makes catches. He's got big hands. He's bigger than what you think. And he, he's a star. When he takes his helmet off, he gets – the same reaction as when he has it on. They just love him here. Um, at their best, Jalen Ramsey or Aaron Donald, if you're starting your team? Woo, uh, AD. Um, and that's that's hard. Um, AD, because I've seen him do it longer, and he's he's headed to Canton. Um, everybody I've talked to, John Randall to Warren Sapp to all the, the special guys that I came up with, uh, they all say the same thing. They've never seen anything like this. He's, he's, he's awesome. Uh, but that's still tough because Jalen Ramsey, here's a guy who just loves the violence of the game. He really does. Um, he's a corner, but he plays it like a safety and he coaches it like he's a coordinator and he has the presence of an outside linebacker. You don't see guys like that uh, too often. I keep wondering, I keep saying this to Maurice Jones-Drew, how the heck did Jacksonville let him go? Really, that you don't let talents like this leave. So good, but the but Rams then he have forced his way out. He didn't want to stay there. Well, I mean, you could with a guy this good. I would just turn a blind eye to what he says or what he does, and I try to make him happy because you want him on the field. He's been a difference maker. I mean, at times he's been your best defensive player, even with ninety nine. But to answer your question, I'd have to start with Aaron Donald. That's why it, the the draft is so unscientific, certainly at quarterbacks. But how many teams passed on Aaron Donald? Like, what was it that they, they didn't see? Because I always say that GMs sort of talk themselves out of drafting a player because they look at the negatives more than what he does well. They look at what he doesn't do well. You know, this is funny, and um, I, I was kind of there in the area when they were debating Aaron Donald, and it was split. You know, I never heard this before. He's a change-of-pace defensive tackle. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> You know, I've never heard that, but I mean, all they kept looking at was his dimensions. He's only six feet, six feet one, about 285 on a heavy day, on a good day. Uh, but if you just look at that, you'd say, okay, we can't take him in the first round. He's not big enough. But then you turn on the film of the senior bowl and no one touched him. No one can block him. He's the best player at the senior bowl. So why wouldn't you draft him? So it was split down the middle, and I'm glad the, the, the right side won because – and even when they drafted him, he had to wait to start. They just didn't – I mean, really, it was, just, it was just strange. I mean, the guy has been Aaron Donald since day one, and he had to wait to start. But as soon as they let him go, you, you haven't stopped him since. But they also missed on Cooper Cup, all these teams. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I think being white, playing at Eastern Washington, um, hey, he's not – he's a 4-6 guy. 
Um, you know, he's not like a, a Wes Welker or Edelman because he's so much bigger than those guys. Uh, so why, why do you think teams passed on Cooper Cup? You know, this is why Steve Sarkeesian will, I mean, <laughs> it's hard for me like to like him because Cooper Cup was right up there in, in, in Washington and we missed, the Huskies missed on him. He's right there. Uh, same with all the, the Pacific Northwest teams, you missed on him. But from what I hear, he just didn't look the part in high school. He just didn't look like a guy that could play. But when you turn on the film, the guy can play. So uh, I guess it's easy to overlook. And the white thing is funny. You know, that lasted about a half a practice here. And you know how some corners are when they see guys like Cooper Cup, you know, step up in that line. Oh, my God, this is going to be an easy day. They give you the look. So Tremaine Johnson was the Rams corner, and he was kind of our resident tough guy. We couldn't wait for this matchup, Cup versus Tremaine. And the first pass in one-on-ones, he spun Tremaine into a hole. Caught a touchdown pass and then, like, kind of laid the ball down. Jermaine shook his hand, like, immediately. So the white stuff was gone then. <laughs> you know, done. No more white guy. This guy can play. You better treat him like every other receiver. It's funny. Well, yeah. he was still white. He... <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was still, but, yeah, white. Yeah. Getting the respect. I asked Ricky Prohl the same thing. Um, you know, what is that like? And he said it's an ongoing battle, but with Cooper Cup, you'd never know it. He's just out there playing his game. And it still feels like he's underrated, and he had one of the greatest seasons a receiver has ever had. Yeah, uh, I think there's some jealousy there because there was a concerted effort to get him the football early. Uh, there were some problems early, let's not lie. Um, Matthew Stafford was looking for him. Even Robert Woods, when he was healthy, there was a game where he, he showed his frustration because there were guys open, and Matthew Stafford still tried to fit the ball to Cooper Cup. So, they're trying to get him the football. They're trying to get him open. He can get open on his own. Uh, even Sean McVay had said that the offense runs through him. Now, you don't get head coaches saying that often, but it's true. The offense does go through Cooper Cup. It's always great to talk to you. Sorry I haven't stayed in touch with you. Uh, always uh, appreciated you know, the, your personality. The first time, This is the first time that you've actually interviewed me. The, the, the last time we were together, I actually interviewed you. You came to L.A. Oh, I think it was Gary Miller or Kevin Kiley. You came and I, you said I was profiling you because you said you had like a 30-inch vertical and I didn't believe you. And you looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I still do. I still have 30-inch vertical. That I want to see. Yeah. Uh, safe travels. Thank you, DeMarco. You got it, man. Thank you. That's uh, DeMarco Farr, Rams Radio Network, sideline reporter. And... Uh, I, I remember talking to him at the mothership. We'd have him on. And I just, I, I forgot how good his personality is. And uh, that was a little sampling there. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. 